Last week, the most impactful figureheads in the club lacrosse industry converged on Atlantic City, New Jersey for the Lacrosse Summit, a groundbreaking new annual event. It was a milestone moment in our sports history, as never before has an event brought together thought leaders from both the men and women's sides of the game in this way. Over 160 attendees gathered to network, develop professionally, and dialogue about the sport's hottest issues. Many of the nation's top club leaders were present, including the leaders of M&D, 3D Lacrosse, Annapolis Hawks, NXT, Steps, Long Island Express, Legacy, and many more. Attendees engaged with venerated presenters like Liz Robert Shaw, the executive director of the IWLCA, Mark Rico, CEO of US Lacrosse, Janine Tucker, Casey Powell, John Galloway, Chris Saylor, Reggie Thorpe, Brian Silcott, and many more. The impressive guest list demonstrated the club sector's willingness to deliberate about the sport's most important topics and to identify common goals that have the power to move the sport forward. Collaborative panel discussion topics included mental health, diversity and equity, box lacrosse, boys club lacrosse and girls. The club lacrosse panels asked some of the game's most influential leaders to share their thoughts about reclassing, accessing exclusive tournaments, national teams, year-round training, and managing parents, and much more. The Lacrosse Summit will be back next year in 2023, bigger and better, with the continued mission of bringing club lacrosse industry leaders together to advance the sport of lacrosse. So wherever you are, and whichever side of the field you share, men or women, sit back and relax as Coach Kate, Coach Coop, and I start off Season 4 with a Lax Summit review, hot off the beach from AC. Let's go! Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome to a More Than a Club podcast, season four, episode one. I'm your co-host, Bill Leahy, and excited that Coach Coop, Coach Kate, and I are back for season four. Who would have thought? Who would have thought we'd have so many great guests? The show would be such a hit in that we'd have so many loyal listeners like you. We love your feedback and the ratings, so keep them coming as we tee off for our new season. But we thought it would be interesting to start off season four with a roundtable about the first lacrosse summit, which went down in Atlantic City last week. Coach Coop? Yeah, Coach Leahy, thank you. I'm rolling in here today with a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude towards the sport of lacrosse and towards this profession and career that I found myself in. Uh, last week at the summit was a great refresher for me and many others. This was basically a scaled down version of the U.S. Lacrosse Convention. It was a place for coaches, club directors, um, you know, and when I say coaches, high school coaches, club coaches, college coaches alike, as well as some legends of the game to engage one another, share ideas on how we can grow the game and better serve those that play this wonderful sport. I came away inspired and I'm excited to share more today with you. Bill. Talk to me. How's the uh, start of the school year going at LaSalle? Year 32? Is that right? Hard to believe. Yeah. I was like 22 when I started or whatever. 32. Thank you for years. your service. Thank you. Um, bummed I wasn't able to make it to the Atlantic City Summit, um, but I was deep at LaSalle. We start nice and early, so I feel like it's almost winter break at this point. And I have the seniors first time ever, so I'm including my son. So we're deep in the mix of having all the young men get their applications in make early action deadline November 1st. Then I run home and I read my son's essays and double check the common app. 
And I think we were on our way for the entire senior class and my kiddo. So it's been really fascinating to see it from a dad perspective, while at the same time seeing all these other young men from a guidance counselor perspective. So enough uh, letters of recommendation, and we'll wait for the crying or celebrating as we approach Christmas and the letters roll in. Not to take anything away from that, Bill, because that sounds truly just inspiring and fulfilling, but are you sure you weren't on like the craps table late at night at like 2 a.m. in the Tropicana? <laughs> you didn't down? see me with my hat I'm and pretty my, sure my I saw you is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, all of this might just be a ruse. Yeah, just a ruse. So <laughs> That voice that you hear is Kate Henwood, and in season four, you're going to hear more from her. Kate's going to join us, co-host some shows, and she's helping us score some awesome guests. At this lacrosse summit last week, she helped lead and co-host along with Peter Lawrence, and she also was responsible for booking a lot of the guests and bringing together the vision, uh, which was once just a vision. So Kate, uh, as we welcome you back to the podcast and season four, it's been a party all night here in the office. Uh, We thank you for your contributions already, and we look forward to talking to you. So what's on your mind here late September 2022? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here again. Um, You know, we've been gearing up for this and sharing lots of text messages and email threads. And uh, it's just been, you know, really cool to be a part of some of the brainstorming early on, which I wasn't before. I'm coming in hot off of that Atlantic City Summit that we were at last week. And um, I think everybody is just really riding that, that, that momentum into the fall. It was really the first time ever, as Coop, you mentioned, that we brought together um, both people from the women's space and the men's space at one conference. And these are not just, um, you know, township coaches and vendors and, you know, young people who are there to just like, you know, see some of the stars, although there was some of that and there's a time and space for that. But this was really built to be uh, a place where some of the decision makers in the game, uh, the influencers, the, you know, the leading, uh, I guess, just coaches and thought leaders came together to kind of just share and interact. So it was really inspiring. I think we all came away uh, better people, um, you know, coming from that conference and um, excited to kind of implement a lot of things that we learned. So let's break down the summit for our listeners, make them feel like we were there. And Start with name dropping. Let's be shallow. Coop? <laughs> yeah, so I actually missed the first night. The opening dinner was with the uh, that new head of U.S. lacrosse. Kate, tell us a little bit about Mark. Yeah, Mark is the new CEO of U.S. lacrosse. Uh, great guy. You know, I would say that um, I met Steve Centerson once during his tenure, um, but it was really... I think it, it just spoke volumes that Mark was there in you know the first few months on the job, entertaining and fielding questions from club directors, and you know we were kind of hitting them with some hard questions because you know I think the club sector has felt for a long time as though we were sort of like the ignored you know aspect of the sport by U.S. Lacrosse, and he's hitting that face on and wants our input and wants to know how we can all work together to grow the game. So it was really neat to just be in the same room with him and uh, interact. So yeah, my name drop would be CP, Casey Powell. Uh, when I walked in, my good friend Brett Manny was running the box panel, and Casey Powell was on stage along with uh, Ginny, who's one of the, the few uh, female goalies, but she's so accomplished that she's been on a lot of the American box teams um, and really kind of pushing the women's game forward by being a role model, um, as well as Reggie Thorpe, and, but really Casey Powell. Uh, you know, he wore 22 at Syracuse and so did a lot of people after him. Um, so definitely a childhood hero for me that 
since I've been at Next, I've gotten to run a trash can lacrosse camp with uh, through Coach Law, who's his good friend. And, you know, I uh, got to listen and take some notes from him, but also just just bro hug Casey Powell. I can so, tell. You're blushing over there. I don't know you, what you um, did last week in your guidance department at LaSalle, <laughs> but Casey Powell. So uh, that would be the name drop, Coach. Sorry. On the women's side, Coach? For me, I would say uh, the woman, I think, who stole the show across the board that you would, you could ask anybody uh, who was that most energetic speaker. It was Janine Tucker. Get on my back. Yes. was one of her the, talks. She made, she made someone from the audience come up and get on her back. And it was a riot. Yeah. She continued to speak for about two minutes with this like grown woman on her back, who of course was a former player of hers. And I guess, you know, the, the overall just message was just about not only do you have to, you know, be ready to carry some of your players or your teammates, but you need to be okay with letting them carry you. And it was so awkward for this person to be on her back for like two minutes of her speech, but she just like handled it. And that was a really cool message. Um, but she's, you know, 29 years at, at Johns Hopkins as the head coach and just recently retired, uh, a complete rock star, shook the room with her energy, came away with a lot of great one-liners. Um, you know, one of them, I'll just kind of say that I think embodied her, her just energy was really... Um, just that energy is caught, not taught. And that was really what her presentation was all about. Um, and she did a fantastic job. So staying with the women's side, what were some of the hot topics that came out of the discussions? Yeah, great question. So we actually had Liz Robertshaw on site as well, who's the um, executive director of the IWLCA, which is a very powerful entity in our sport. And, and Chris Saylor, who's uh, just recently retired as a long longtime coach at Princeton. So really just some legendary leaders in the room um, who were bringing up a lot about, honestly, parents um, in youth sports and sort of just some disappointing things that they've seen across the board, not just in lacrosse, but in, in any sport, whether it's just how they've seen some refs, you know, being treated on the, from the sidelines or, you know, they wandered over their niece or nephew or, you know, their grandchild's game and they just they couldn't believe what some of the parents were saying to each other on the sidelines about like a five-year-old out there. Um, so it was just really neat to kind of hear their perspective and just talk about how um, I think it's important for parents and everybody these days just to sometimes remember that this is youth sports and that these are kids. And and that was a, a reoccurring theme was just how do club coaches handle parents? You know, do we, how do we set our expectations? And we were sharing a lot of, I think, tricks and tips and tools of the trade to kind of just just dialogue about how we can best um, educate our parents and communicate with them. And on the men's side? Same thing. I mean, they were talking about managing parent expectations. It was very cool to hear the club panels talk about their strategy of how they get in front of dealing with parents. And uh, someone even brought up Dawn Staley, you know, the women's basketball coach at the college level, who's a, a Philly woman. And um, she actually has Zooms with her college players parents and they can ask anything they want they can talk about anything they want and i think the the takeaway there for us at next is on both the boys and girls side we have a parent code of conduct um, and this year we're going to have two open town halls for each of our boys and girls clubs to engage those parents and say hey um, you know, our girls directors are here and here's why we want to have the meeting and here's what a couple things we think are important but also go ahead, you know, you, you've got us here, ask anything you want so that we're on the same page. Yeah, and I think I think a common thread was just about, um, you know, the difference between focusing on the process and winning. 
another line from Janine Tucker was just talking about the difference between your goal as a program and your priorities as a program, which I think was a really big take home for me. And then John Galloway, you know, you mentioned Syracuse alum. Um, I had the pleasure of introducing him and I had never really, you know, gotten to know him on a personal level before. Here I am introducing this guy and I'm looking up his bio and I'm like, okay, West Jenny, Syracuse, you know, pro player, all time, everything. How do I even begin to introduce this person who I've never met, um, who has this like incredible lacrosse pedigree? But I was so impressed how he then talked about how he travels his team because he has a really large roster and he was, it was fascinating. You know, he was talking about bringing along your culture guys. Um, he brings his starters and his contributors, but then beyond that, he doesn't travel his team based on his depth chart. Those next 10 guys he brings aren't the guys he think might be next in based off of an injury. They're the guys that he knows are going to clean up the bench, are going to cheer the loudest, are going to like pick up their teammate when they need it. Yeah, just that culture. And that, to me, was just such a hammer home moment that I think parents need to hear that that's what college coaches are valuing. You know, the culture kids, the locker room kids, the best teammates. It's not always about winning. Yeah, right out of our show over the past three years. Yep. So how about these other th- three themes? You guys t- chime in and tell me if I'm kind of on task or off since I wasn't there. Hunger for professional development. Coach? There's so much of it. I mean, I just th- I think the fact that this happened just demonstrates that there's a hunger for professional development coming out of COVID. Um, I think club directors in particular feel as though it's difficult for them to find a space to come together, and we provided that for them. So the networking and just the relationship building, um, but just attending the panels on diversity and equity and how some clubs might be handling that, um, you know, within their programs, um, or you know, box lacrosse, how to start a box lacrosse program if you haven't done so yet. And we were just, I think, idea sharing with one another, and we were getting some tips from the pros. But I think some of the most impactful information was coming from one another. Coop, how about national teams? Yeah, another really interesting topic. I mean, for us at Next, it's something that we've just recently delved into. So it was cool to hear from the club panel, which was the club directors from Long Island Express, like Mike Chanichuk, who's you know been around forever, and Nick Daniello from Primetime, and Tom Zumo from Legacy, yeah. and you know Matt Hogan, who's um, you know one of the first guys that was doing this club lacrosse stuff. So it was a lot of those guys are basically saying national teams are just one more thing. And if it's a fit for you because of where you're from or because of um, uh, a lack of exposure, you know, maybe it could be the thing that's a game changer. But those major clubs were saying, play for us, uh, be healthy at our stuff, and you really don't need to go to 17 different showcases. So you know, the theme was really like burnout and overuse and things we've talked about before is, you know, they're, they're thinking about their athletes. Um, and so that was refreshing to, to hear. Um, and then the other thing there, I would just say for professional development is for Kate and for me as former teachers, this was the first professional development that I was like super into and inspired by in a long time. And the U S lacrosse convention comes every year and it's great but there's many different classrooms and it almost is like so spread out that you kind of get burnt out by it where this was one room and all the personalities were there for two straight days. They socialized and it was pretty open in terms of asking questions or going, I don't know what you mean, Casey, Uh, or let me tell you what our club does. And, um, just as a teacher, you go to a lot of professional development days where you may or may not 
have your brain on. And this was one where I was, I was grateful to be there. Yeah, I would just add to that quickly, and I, there's so much more I could say about national teams too. Um, but one thing about the national teams I felt was interesting was that, uh, and on the women's side too, where you have Chris Robinson representing, you know, MND and Kathy Samaras, who was the, one of the originals. Um, you know, I learned a ton about women's lacrosse and had to Google some of these players, Coach Leahy. Yeah. Just to like show show respect because I heard so many great things. I had to get get more in tune with the history. Yeah, so legit, yeah. right? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I, know, I mean, right? Kathy Samaras is the reason why we're stuff. all here in this room. You know, she was the one who really started, I think, club lacrosse. And that she kind of cool. told the story about how it happened by accident. But, you know, Skywalkers. And is she know. Matt Hogan's mom or no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but I would say my point is just that there were so many high-level clubs on the stage that were representing themselves. And it was interesting to me that they were the ones who were kind of saying, oh, well, you know, we are, we are technically kind of a top five club or a top 10 club. We can tell our kids they don't need to go to 10 different showcases or play on national teams because they don't have to because we're providing them with those opportunities. But then, you know, you might hear the club director, you know, Molly Ford representing Grit from Texas saying, well, actually, that kind of thing really benefits our kids. Or, yeah, you know, we, we don't have that. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that we as a club entity need to recognize that there is a space for some of those things and it is important for some kids in some areas, especially. So besides the industry related and business related questions, obviously there were player related issues that came to the surface. Yep. Brian Silcock did a workshop on diversity and equity. Yep. Take me back. Yeah, Brian was great. There was three young women uh, that had some interesting stories of being the only that uh, was really the the quote where they go, you know, how many of you in the room have ever been the only? And, you know, the other moment that stuck out was, hey, there's a lot of uh, really important people in your sport here. You all pretty much look the same. And I think that was a powerful moment as well. And something we've talked about on the podcast, something we've talked about in our club is like, what is progress? And how do you teach these young people um, cultural awareness and about diversity and about just appreciating um, differences and it's always been something for me as a teacher and then getting professional with the lacrosse side of things that it seems like there's a gap in our community of just kind of first of all remembering the history of the sport and the Native American roots and then really celebrating the diversity of it and changing the narrative of you know kind of this rich white preppy sport so that was eye-opening um, uh, two African-American women and one uh, woman from Syracuse. And you'll be better with the names. I, I apologize. But she basically went through her playing career at Syracuse as a Native American and documented some of the moments with her teammates that they didn't know any better. Amber and Hill. They might not have even known you know, what her story was. And, and yeah. that was sad, um, but also you know, inspiring at the same time to know that uh, we can have conversations and make a difference and yeah. uh, and we need to yeah they they pretty much called us out on the carpet and said what exactly do you mean when you say grow the game you know and and you can use the hashtag and you can say the phrase but what are you doing every day to physically grow the game um, and it was very humbling I think to hear Amber's story uh, especially because she was you know the one person on stage who who really represented a, a player perspective and just to know that, you know, she grew up in a, a very, very, um, I would say, just challenging environment 
where alcoholism and drugs and high levels of high school dropout, uh, you know, are, are prevalent and poverty, you know, and they're happening in our backyard. It's not, you know, across an ocean. And it's something I think that she did an excellent job calling attention to. And there's so much more we can do to grow the game. Important topics, as yep. is my next topic, which would be mental health. Yep. So we, you had presenters. Yeah, Again. we loved we loved Dr. Green, who's a friend of ours on the pod, and also Mark Lassini from the PLL Chaos. He played lacrosse at Yale. Uh, while he was at Yale, he got introduced to uh, high-performance athletes and that concept, and he, I think he's just been on a mission ever since to learn as much as he can. And he was one of the guys at the summit that looked like he was – ready to go the I whole time. I thought he was going to climb Mount Everest or yeah. something. <laughs> One of his phrases is, you know, uh, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And this guy was like on his toes, taking notes the whole time. But when he and Mitch Green presented, they were kind of uh, very complimentary of yep. each other and how they spoke. But Mitch uh, spoke about mindfulness and, and Mark spoke about, you know, peak performers and um, what goes into helping uh, different levels of athletes, uh, especially young athletes you know, find peak performance and understand what that means. Um, but also just to, to take meaningful moments with them, uh, whether it's in warmups or um, a difficult time that they're having and, and let them know like you're human and you're there for them and you're in their corner and um, the impact that you could have. Exactly. And, and I would just also add Krista Samaras, you know, as another one of our, our featured speakers who, who did uh, her, her, her whole presentation focused on mental health and bravery. Um, and it was about why fear is actually or can be a good thing for kids, you know, if we just identify it and we talk about it, which was a common thread. And, and Krista is an amazing public speaker, you know, probably one of the best that I've ever seen. And just her ability to kind of get the get the group uh, involved and engaged in doing some activities was really neat to see what she does with Bravery Enterprises. And I think what we could maybe, you know, continue to to learn from and work with her to do more of. But they're in schools, they're, you know, working with sports teams, professional organizations, um, corporate development. And she does it with adults, kids. But one thing I thought was so interesting was just, you know, that mental health is a topic that we are talking about now and that kids, you know, eight years old know the phrase mental health, whereas that would not have been something that we could say five, 10 years ago. And, and mindfulness and right. mind chatter. Exactly. That we talked about as well. Exactly. And then how young is too young? Are was we, a question. Remember yeah. someone said that? Yeah. Great questions from the crowd. Um, you know, are we... Are we like implanting these ideas in these kids' minds before it's even something they're thinking about and worrying about? Like, are we making and sort of projecting our own anxiety onto them? That was such an interesting topic, too. And I think Dr. Green did a great job of explaining, you know, just maybe ask some questions back, you know, instead of trying to give an answer when you don't know, just listen and try to understand more about what they're asking, which was really a great point. We started our show mentioning parents, and almost every guest we have on the show mentions parents, not necessarily in a bad way, but in a yeah. good way and a bad way, that was a major theme. Absolutely. And so let's start with maybe the sense of expectations, parental expectations that came up. It sounded like more of just like a frustration, you know, a shared frustration of um, of us as professionals in this sport. And, you know, we've made it our livelihood and our career, and we deal with a lot of players and their families, and it's it's a just a kind of a constant... Um, you know, stressor uh, within the dynamic of club lacrosse is is really the parents and, and having the right expectations, kind of serving the right roles. One thing that Coach Leahy and I have been saying to parents this year at Next is like, 
make sure you're rowing in the same direction as us. It's going to be really easy. We're going to tell you how to do it. Uh, we've done this before. We know where we're going. Um, and yes, every kid's different and every, you know, parent is going to be different. But in this club, here are our expectations and here we go, you know, support us. I think, I think part of the biggest reason why we do this podcast is because of parents and we're trying to help, you know, and, and, and it's not that, you know, we're saying parents need us, but I think parents want more guidance. And a common theme that I kept thinking about was like, you know, I just feel like so many of conversations that all of these influential leaders in their communities are having with parents are the same messages over and over and over again. We're investing so much time and it just got me thinking about this podcast actually. And I was like, this podcast should be that voice of club directors, of club leaders that can help educate the parents who are still trying to figure out how to navigate all of this, these new pressures that kids are under, how to be an ally, but also push them. It, I feel bad for parents these days who have so many new challenges and there's no, there's no textbook that's current enough for them these days that they can read from and learn from. They're just, just like we are, figuring it out as they go. I think the idea of proactive communication both ways between coaches and directors and parents makes sense. Yep. 24-hour rules and office hours? Help me understand those two topics. Yeah, these are these are topics, uh, these are policies, really, I would say, which is sort of a strong word. Um, but these are sort of things that we have put in place within our club that help set some expectations. Um, the idea of office hours, we all know, you know, from maybe like professors in college or something, but it's like, hey, these are the hours that I'm available to speak with you about sports and my performance or things you know, I'm anxious about or things that you could give me tips on. But here are the hours that are closed for office hours and that's on the way to the game, on the way home from the game, you know, maybe the night before the game when with, I just... With your girls club, that's actually, you're talking about the parents. Yes, right? we're talking okay. about the parents respecting their, their, their sons and daughters' office hours. You know, like, yeah. let them have their own time to process things and don't always be in their face about what your expectations are for them. And then the 24-hour rule is another one we put in play, which is pretty much just the rule of, we know you may be frustrated on site, you know, that maybe your kid didn't get in the game or she didn't get the ball passed to her or whatever it might be that you're upset about. But let's wait 24 hours. This is just obviously a great rule in right in life, right? Not just as a parent in this moment. But so we put this rule in play um, for all of our parents and players. You know, our players and parents can always come to talk to us if there's obviously like a safety emergency or something like that. But if it's just to talk about playing time or what they can do to earn more of it or about their role on the team or something team related, our, our coaches are exhausted, you know, like they're spent. We're all walking off the field like we just want to go to our cars, too, and just decompress what happened today. And any conversation that happens right then is not going to be productive and we are none, no one is going to be the best version and the most thoughtful version of themselves, right? So let's just wait press pause and let's have that conversation when we can all actually be engaged between the two of you i feel like i didn't miss a thing you, you walk me through the entire song there's a couple things that yeah, you missed because yeah you were on the craps table so you actually did miss a couple <laughs> things so <laughs> keep it going like, since i was on the craps table for the <laughs> final day let's uh kind of bring this home with some highlights and your final takeaways so coop when you look back over the first summit in atlantic city what are your final highlights and takeaways for me, Janine Tucker. Uh, it was a name that I've known since I started studying uh, the, the career of coaching or the art of coaching, science of coaching, and 
Positive Coaching Alliance. She was a name that I had heard so much. Once she got on the stage, she completely captivated the room. Uh, Kate talked earlier about someone jumping on her back, but I feel like I'm still kind of on her back riding the wave. So uh, I'll start with that. Coach Kate? I was actually just stunned by some of the, the, the boys club coaches during the panel talking about how much they practice year round. Um, again, I don't know if it's because they all live in the same neighborhood or go to the same high school. Maybe that's the case. But 90 times a year uh, was echoed, I think, by three different clubs that were on the stage. Someone else said 80. And again, that could be like box practices, small group training, some of that. But they said 90. That is a big number. We are nowhere near that. And I think it's a good thing because we want to encourage kids to play other sports. But um, that was something that sparked some dialogue that translated to something Steve Levy's then said about his girls on the Long Island uh, legacy team and just that they didn't actually practice at all with their 24s last summer. So rising juniors in yeah. their most important summer of the recruiting cycle, they didn't play practice at all. No. People be, almost fell off their chair. He literally said to them, you have too much going on. You need to be healthy. You know, we need you to play in like these four tournaments that are your big recruiting exposure tournaments. Go to these camps, go to those showcases, whatever you feel like you personally need to do. But he was having a hard enough time just getting them all at practice because of all of those things. So he said, we've taught you everything we can at this point. Just show up and play. And they did. And they had a great summer. So two different opposite ends of the spectrum there. I think both probably are working, but just fascinating. My last highlight would just be the 50-50 feel of the men's and women's game. Yep. I think it's easy for men to say, oh, we care. Or, oh, yeah, we want to give half half as much, you know, and to be in that room and to hear Liz Robertshaw, who I follow on Twitter and I've seen her, you know, uh, and, and followed her kind of quest for equality and um, everything from, you know, why aren't there more women's games on TV and all that stuff. I feel um, really like this uh, lacrosse summit was a step forward for the game of of equality and really um, the men listening to the women and learning from the women. And those speakers that you got were amazing and they were not just there for the women. You know, they were there for everyone. And uh, I really look forward to this event growing and the themes that we've talked about um, being ones that we hit on again and do a better job with, you know, as we serve our, our players and our teams. So, you know, that was definitely an, uh, a takeaway for me and something that I was super proud of next because we are uh, gender neutral, you know, where we have men's and women's and those programs mirror each other. And um, if there are, you know, players in the Philadelphia area, um, you know, they have equal opportunities with us. And I think that we also have so many uh, playmakers within our leadership like you um, that we can make a difference. And, and you've started to do that. So I uh, appreciate your work there, Kate. Absolutely. I mean, I thought thank you and thank you too, Coop, because you and I have been through this, you know, from the from day one, throwing cradle sticks in, a, in the back of our cars and, you know, talking through practice plans together since 2015. But doing free clinics in the inner city. Absolutely. And, you know, We've done it all. All, all of that. So. But um, I would just say one of the things just to build off of your point of Liz Robertshaw being such a leader in our space. And again, just the fact that men 
you know, people from the men's game were there to hear her taking pictures of her slides and vice versa. I'm taking pictures of like John Galloway's slides, you know, thinking that the, the women dominated the box lacrosse talk. You yeah. know, shout out to Candace. Yeah, and our two and of our people, you know, Coach Candace Leigh, and he got a shout out as well. Absolutely. They stood up and said, like, enough with the excuses about the equipment. Like, you'd Get be surprised. Going. Like, if yeah. you just do it, believe it or not, like, you'd be surprised how excited people will get. It was an actual struggle we had for right, years right. until we went and go, we went and did it. So I think we, we told some people, you know, it's yeah, okay. Make it happen. But Liz Robichaud said, you know, not just about the women's visibility on television, but also, um, she challenged us all to fill up Gillette stadium, yeah. you know, at the next men's final four. And I thought that was right. That's what, but that's yeah. what it was for. Cause it's hard for me to remember. There's so many amazing opportunities nowadays where we're renting these big stadiums, um, on, that are on TV, whether it's the PLL or, or men's or women's final four, but fill it up, you know, demonstrate it's our job for men and women to support one another, because if we try to do it alone, it will not be successful. Powerful highlights. I also love how many of the guests and presenters have been on our show. Yep. Uh, yeah, the podcast was actually mentioned during Mitch Green's uh, presentation. He's got this one slide of, you know, places he's been featured and the More Than a Club podcast was on there and he spoke about uh, you and his work with the LaSalle team with you. And he also talked about his winter wellness sessions. And they kind of use Next as uh, an example of the conversations that a lot of these clubs around the country um, should be having. And, and some of them we're only having because of, because of Coach Henwood, Coach Leahy, and um, you know how seriously we take this. So um, that made me really proud too. So, um, yeah. And some new potential guests. So we'll Absolutely. see who we can reel in from Atlantic City. There are City. plenty of people who I was handing out cards to. and just Should have seen them, her work in the room. Yeah, I was I was trying to tell them, hey, just I got one more thing to ask of you. You already got here to Atlantic City. It's not that hard just to come to Contra Hawken, you know? <laughs> yeah, and if they said no, well, we said, you know, Tony Resch has been on this, and it's the only podcast he's been on. And right, then and then it's a done deal. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Nice. All right, let's bring our first episode home with our homework section. So quick homework for coaches. So I'm going to take this one, Bill. This is coming straight from Janine Tucker, who we've mentioned multiple times so far tonight on this episode. Uh, one quote that she had on a slide really resonated with me. Um, and she talked about her program and how, you know, not every season was a winning season. Not every, you know, not every year did they win a championship. And their goal obviously was to win a national championship. That's their goal. But what she said was basically just that not everyone wins a championship, but every coach can provide a championship environment for everyone, which I thought just was awesome. Homework for players, I'll take this one, which is watch your own film and evaluate yourself. I think there's a real difference between watching film and studying film. I like to watch my Ravens play. Like I like to watch a, a lacrosse game where I sit back and I enjoy watching it. That is not the same as studying a film. Studying a film has a remote in your hand. You're hitting pause, rewind, going back. You're also not watching the ball. We all watch football and we watch where the ball goes. We watch lacrosse, we watch where the ball goes. But really the game is played away from the ball. So if you learn to stop the film and then watch all the other players, what are they doing? Who's playing well off the ball? Who's playing defense on the ball, but not watch the ball and the ball carrier? So studying film is a whole different 
whole different animal. And I think if folks took time to actually make it no different than English or math class and break it down and study it, and especially watch their weaknesses, take time to really see where you failed, where you got beat, how you could have made that save better. That's how you become a better lacrosse player. Just watching it, and we can just do that every Monday night when we watch Monday Night Football. That's enjoyable. You're not supposed to always enjoy your film. You're supposed to grow from it. And homework for parents? For parents. Let your kids run their own race. This is something Coach Law said way back in season one, but it's something that I think about every single day. It's their race. You're supporting. Let them run their race. Extra credit, reclassing. Thoughts? Another hot topic, some really different thoughts uh, came out from the club directors and uh, the people asking questions at the lacrosse summit, but reclassing. Could do a whole episode on this. I feel maybe we should. Maybe we should bring some of those folks here who have strong opinions. I learned a lot about the men's game, um, just their perspective on reclassing, which I think is a lot more prevalent than it is on the women's. Not that it's not starting to happen with the girls, but I think that's something we definitely need to take a closer look at in a future episode. All right. Thank you, Coach Leahy. Thank you, Coach Kate. This was an awesome debut to season four. It was hard to fight through all the groupies in the parking lot to get into the facility tonight. But we're proud that we have this episode on wax and we're moving on with this fourth season. Thank you for the recap of Atlantic City. The Lacrosse Summit was a blast. Look forward to 2023. We'll have to bring Coach Leahy with us. We'll have to bring Justin. It seemed like a live podcast was the only thing this thing summit was missing. Right, Kate? Yes, next year, that's actually already been on the feedback of the surveys we've been getting is that the More Than a Club podcast would be broadcasting live from the Tropicana. Hopefully we're in a different location next time, but we're going to bring it. And episode two will be Coach Bodner, face-off specialist here in Philly. So make sure you tune in and give us a shout out. As this episode comes to a close, uh, we'd like to give a special thanks to this week's sponsors, the Old State Tavern and also the Neon Rainbows um, from Coach Henwood. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, more than a club. Good night.